Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Hello, gorgeous listeners. Dr. Mary here. And again, you have just got little old me. The awesome, wonderful Dr. Lucy is still on her fabulous, awesome holiday, 55ing and aliving around Australia with her fabulous hubby in her fabulous caravan. I believe right now she could possibly be staying in an underwater hotel somewhere. It sounds amazing. And here I am in Southern Victoria in the winter. It is actually not too bad, the weather outside, I must say. So I'm feeling okay, even if I'm not in tropical climes in an underwater hotel in a caravan. I'm not feeling sad at all. Not at all. No. Gorgeous people. So you've got me today. Today, I want to talk about carnivore diets, plant-based diets, and omnivorous diets. And where do we sit with this at Real Life Medicine? We've had some fabulous carnivore doctors come on this podcast before and chat about their food philosophy and their lifestyle. We certainly um, have got some wonderful plant-based nutritionists that we would like to get onto our podcast soon. And then, you know, Lucy and I in the middle, we are real foodivores is how I would describe our food philosophy. And we don't necessarily advocate a carnivore diet, a plant-based diet necessarily. We are strong believers in you figuring out what works for you and figuring out what is workable, achievable and sustainable for you. So let's dive in and unpack this all a little bit more. So when people learn that I'm a doctor who's interested in nutrition, before they know anything about me, I will quite often get people assuming that I am plant-based or telling me about how they tried to go plant-based but they just couldn't work or proudly telling me about how they have cut out red meat so therefore their diet is really good and that they're eating their you know, soy processed fake meat in their bolognese instead of mince and assuming, just making the interesting assumption that this is what I would recommend. And I think this is quite interesting. And then the other thing that can happen is when people learn that I'm a low-carb advocate, that then they might assume that I am all in favour of carnivore or that I think that vegetables are bad and that I think a zero-carb diet is what you need. And the truth, gentle listener, is really definitely somewhere in between. The nuances of nutrition, like the nuances of life, the devil is all in the details. So I would like to unpack this a little bit more for you and discuss why I am an omnivore, why I choose to include animal-based foods and plant based foods in my diet. With the really important caveat, I'm quite moderate in my views. That's not true. I'm moderate in some of my views. And I'm moderate in the view that within the umbrella of real food, food that has undergone as little processing as possible, within that umbrella, 
I'm kind of moderate. If people choose to eat a plant-based diet and they're eating a plant-based diet that is real and unprocessed, that sort of that rubbish, junky, processed soy mince, fake meat stuff is not good and I can unpack why, they're choosing to eat plant-based within that umbrella of real food and it's working for them then I I think that can be absolutely fine and I'm extremely happy to support people in eating the very best plant-based diet that they can. And if people within the umbrella of real food are choosing to only eat animal foods and to only eat meat and that is working for them for various reasons, then also I am happy to support them in that lifestyle choice and make that lifestyle work for them as best they can. I'm extremely happy and indeed passionate about meeting people where they are. Where they are is really important. But if people ask me what I think that the optimum human diet is, to my mind, and I believe that you know the weight of scientific evidence and the weight of, of human history comes down on the side of us eating both animal and plant-based foods. I think that that is the healthiest way to construct your diet. And within that, there are lots of different variations. You know, you can go very low carb, moderately low carb. You can totally, even if it works for you, be, be a higher carb diet. You know, you don't have to eat eggs if you don't like eggs. You don't have to eat broccoli if you don't like broccoli. There are many ways that you can construct this diet that is perfect for you under that umbrella of real food. And if you've got a weight loss goal, issues with insulin resistance or high insulin, then under the umbrella of low carbohydrate real food, then you know, Whatever works for you is great. So why am I an omnivore? You know, we give airtime to carnivores, we give airtime to people who are plant-based, but why do I choose to be omnivorous? And, you know, Dr. Lucy is also an omnivore. Well, I would first of all like to talk about why I'm not plant-based. The plant-based diet has got a real health halo around it and a lot of people choose to go vegetarian or vegan because they think that that is the healthiest choice. There are, of course, ethical concerns. Some people just, you know, they for their own very valid and important reasons, they choose not to eat animal foods for ethical reasons, and I think that is totally fine. Some people choose not to eat animal products for environmental reasons, and I've got some concerns about that because I believe that the environmental concerns around animal foods within our food system have been really misrepresented by the media. It's kind of ridiculous if you think that, you know, a cow farting and the methane gas from a cow is going to be far more problematic than super processed soy foods that they've stripped the Amazon to grow the soy. It's been processed in a factory and flown a billion air miles. You know, the devil is in the detail and the nuances are really important. And I do strongly feel that animal foods can, and indeed in many, many cases are, um, a very important and sustainable, environmentally sustainable part of our diet. But I'm not going to delve into that too much more. I'm going to leave the ethical concerns about eating animals and I'm going to just park the environmental concerns about eating animals as well, although I do have a lot to say on that topic, and go into the nutritional concerns. So 
Plant-based diets emphasize vegetables, and I would argue that veggies are quite nutrient-dense, and they also emphasize fruits, which are somewhat nutrient-dense. They've got less nutrient density, but also would include cereal grains and legumes, both refined and unrefined. And I'd say that these foods, the grains and the legumes, are less nutrient-dense and have got potential problems for some people. They can be reasonably high in some inflammatory components. The phytonutrients in there, some of them can be inflammatory. And some of them can have these things called anti-nutrients, which actually prevent us from absorbing other nutrients in our diets. And the, you know, generally the nutrients available in cereals and legumes is less what we call bioavailable. That means available to our biology, to our ability to absorb it. And there is a potential problem with plant-based diets that if you're a follower of a plant-based vegetarian or vegan diet, you really could be missing out on some really key nutrients. I'd say one in particular is B12. So B12 deficiency is pretty common in vegans and vegetarians. And I would As a doctor, I would routinely measure people's B12 status if they were on a plant-based diet. And it's a really important nutrient that we need for our energy production in our bodies. It's a really important nutrient that works together with folate and, and other nutrients to for its synthesis of our DNA, for the synthesis of our red blood cells, um, for the myelin sheath of our nerve cells, the activity of our mitochondria. And being low in vitamin B12 can cause lots of issues, like fatigue is definitely one. It can even, in severe cases, cause neurological or psychological conditions, you know, including depression and anxiety, and can make people anemic. And you actually can't get B12 from like non-animal based foods. It, it's not there. It's a, it's a myth uh, that it's in things like mushrooms and seaweed and fermented soy. It's not. There was, <laughs> there was a study looking at B12 in mushrooms and they thought that mushrooms had B12, but it actually turned out to be animal poo contamination in the um, mushrooms. So if you eat mushrooms that are covered in animal poo, you might be getting some B12 from the animal poo, but not actually from the mushrooms themselves. So I would argue that it's quite important to supplement with B12 if you're on a plant-based diet. I really do think that that's incredibly important. But it's not just B12. There's other things as well. There's your omega-3 fatty acids. This can be quite tricky to get enough of them if you're on a plant-based diet and the type of omega-3 fatty acids that are in plant foods like algae and chia seeds are not as bioavailable as the ones that are in animal foods. So that is, I think, really, really important for people to be aware of and that they need to be pretty keyed in to all their sources of omega-3 fatty acids if they are on a vegan or vegetarian diet. And then other issues is that you might not be getting enough calcium. It might not be getting enough zinc. And fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin A and vitamin D, you could potentially be missing out on these. And the other really important nutrient that I want to mention is iron. 
Iron really could be a problem for people on a plant-based diet because we've got two types of iron that are available for us in our food, essentially heme iron and non-heme iron. And heme iron essentially comes from, you know, basically animal products, particularly the blood in, in animal products is a good source of heme iron. It's much more easy for us to absorb this than the non-heme iron, which is found in plant-based sources, such as dark green veggies like spinach, we don't absorb it as well. So you need to eat a lot more. So it's tricky. You need to be careful and I think it can be done. I really do believe that. And if that is what you want to do, you can do it, um, but you need to get the best advice possible. And then what about a carnivore diet? So you know what, if you want to go completely carnivore and cut out all animal foods, oh, sorry, if you want to cut out all plant foods entirely, it's certainly gaining popularity, the all-meat diet. I would argue, though, that dropping plant-based food completely from your diet is not necessarily a good thing to do. There are certain circumstances in which it might be really useful for some people for a short period of time. And there are, of course, some people for whom, you know, this works for them and that is fine. But if it's just you wanting to be the healthiest you and thinking that a carnivore diet would be the way to go, it may or may not be. So what is a carnivore diet? For those of you who don't know, pretty straightforward. It's just eating animal foods and staying away from all plant foods. And people may choose to include dairy and eggs and fish in that, or they might just um, include only red meats. There's a few different ways that this can be um, yeah, put together, depending on what people want and what they're after. Advocates of the carnivore diet will say that this is the human diet, this is what we were meant to eat, and that you know plants are an aberration and that meat is the main part of our diet. I would argue that from a like an, an evolutionary point of view, that's not necessarily true. You know, hunter-gatherers around the world today eat both animal and plant foods. So even populations such as the Canadian Inuits and native populations that have been touted as you know a purely carnivorous society, even then they weren't necessarily uh, purely carnivorous. They certainly primarily lived on meat such as walrus and whale meat and fish but they also went to great lengths to forage wild berries and to eat lichens and, and seaweed and other sea vegetables. So even these populations weren't all about meat. And as far as we know, every culture that's studied has eaten both animal and plant foods by and large. And so animal and plant foods are definitely historically um, a part of our diet throughout now and through ancient populations. So what are the potential problems with going on a carnivore diet? Well, it causes changes in our gut microbiome. And I'd argue that we don't really know what the full consequences of that are. So switching to an all-meat diet will change your gut microbiome. There are two ways to really rapidly alter your gut microbiome. One is changing your food and the other is getting a fecal transplant, a poo transplant, which is outside the, the scope of this particular podcast episode. And we know that the ecosystem of our gut microbiota is really important to our health in general, like 
almost every chronic inflammatory disease has been linked to gut health to some extent. So it is really important. And eating a real food diet is a very powerful way to change your gut microbiome and improve the ecosystem of your gut, to improve intestinal permeability and um, lots of other aspects of your gut health, which can be really, really beneficial. And an all-meat diet or an all-animal product diet really does result in rapid changes. And what does that mean? I'm going to just put my hand on my heart and say, I don't know. And the fact that I don't know has me potentially a little bit concerned. I think that we don't have the data on this to say one way or another. For some people, they feel great when they go on a carnivore diet and that might be fine for them and their gut health. But these drastic changes may or may not have some really significant implications for our health. There are those nutrients Go on carnivore. What does that mean? Well, I'd say again, the short answer is we really don't know what nutrient deficiencies people with a carnivore diet have, but certain nutrients that would have me a little bit concerned would be vitamin C. Certainly you can get vitamin C from fresh meat and fresh organ meats, definitely, but it's very heat sensitive. So you'd have to have the food would have to be very fresh and you have to be careful of the way that you cook it. If you're not including dairy, then getting enough vitamin K2 and calcium could be a concern. Dairy actually is a very rich source of K2 and calcium. So if you're eating that, then you're probably okay. But if you're not eating organ meats, I would really start to be worried. So a carnivore diet that includes dairy and organ meats is certainly for me a much more comfortable system, or at least organ meats, than one that is only muscle tissue. Organ meats are so good for you. And I would encourage all of you to just take a little step outside your comfort zone, go to the supermarket or the butcher, buy some kind of organ meat and eat it. Give it a go. It is so incredibly nutrient dense. And for all you carnivores out there eating organ meats, excellent. For all you omnivores out there eating organ meat, go you. It is the most nutrient dense food out there. Organ meats are really rich in vitamin A and lots of beautiful things and, and, and choline and B12 and iron and so many good things. And in particular for the carnivores in manganese and magnesium, which you need. If you are not eating plants, you need to get them from somewhere. So Carnivore has some benefits, like it's extremely low in carb. Uh, so if you're wanting to reduce your carbohydrate intake, it's a, it's a certainly a very powerful way to do it. But you need to do it with your eyes open and really think about what you're doing and get some support. And I am, Lucy and I, we are very happy, very happy to support people on a carnivore diet, very happy to support people on a plant-based diet because our overriding food philosophy, the food philosophy that trumps all other food philosophies is real food. Step away from the processed junk that is made in factories, marketed to us from food industry that doesn't care about our health, only sees and treats us as consumerism units. Step away from them don't be their consumerism unit. Nourish your body with real food. 
That is number one. And then number two, beautiful human, is if you've got a weight loss goal, if you've got issues with insulin resistance, and that includes high insulin, pre-diabetes, fatty liver, polycystic ovarian syndrome, chronic illnesses like atherosclerosis, uh, ischemic heart disease, um, neuroinflammatory conditions like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease. Uh, if you've got neuroinflammatory conditions or if you're worried about neuroinflammatory conditions such as Alzheimer's, if you've got heart disease or you're worried about heart disease, if you've got plaque in your arteries, if you've got any of these conditions, then beautiful human eating low carbohydrate versions of those real foods is a powerful strategy to reclaim your health and to lose that weight uh, sustainably and permanently. And you gorgeous one get to choose whereupon you sit within eating plants and animals within this real food landscape because you are absolutely the boss of you and it can be really helpful to get the right support. The right support can be extremely helpful. And gorgeous human, if you feel like you would like a bit of extra help and support with going low-carb real food, then do check out our website, rlmedicine.com. We've got a wonderful ebook describing and explaining what we eat and why, and you can get that at our website, rlmedicine.com, and click on the free stuff tab. Check it out. We've got some fabulous resources there for you. Dr. Lucy, wherever you are, um, off in the warm climates, and myself, Dr. Mary, we are passionate about empowering people to reclaim their health with low-carb real food, and you can do it. And sometimes you just need the right support. It has been wonderful chatting to you gorgeous people. Uh, have an absolutely fabulous day. Go out there, be your absolute best possible self and enjoy eating your real food however you choose to do so. Bye now. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. The information shared on the Real Health and Weight Loss podcast, including show notes and links, provides general information only. It is not a substitute, nor is it intended to provide individualized medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, nor can it be construed as such. Please consult your doctor for any medical concerns.